So, Jennifer, you and your team with Youth for Christ have been involved with helping a whole lot of teens get nutritious meals. How did this all start? Well, it started with my church, Parkway Southern Baptist Church. On Wednesday nights, we would have kids that would come, um, and we usually we would bus the kids in. And uh, a lot of times we would, you know, provide them with chips and things like that. But once a month, we would provide them with a meal. And uh, when COVID hit here in Indiana, everything like just shut down in a matter of like a day. And that happened to be a week that the kids were supposed to get a meal from us. So we were like, what are we going to do? These kids need to eat. And now the schools are closed. Everything is closed. There's no way, you know, for them to get what they depend on. And so we came up with the idea to pack a lunch and bring it to them. So, you know, several of us just uh, got some lunch bags and some lunch meat and, and bread and chips and uh, made up sandwich bags and took them to where the kids were. Um, so that was like maybe 30 kids. And, you know, we're like, okay, what are we, you know, we thought it was going to be short. You know, everyone I think thought COVID was going to be short, but then it was like, okay, what are we going to do the next week and the next week? Cause the schools still weren't open and they still, you know, weren't having ways to get access to like their free lunches and stuff. So we just decided, okay, we're just going to do this. And as we would do it each week, there would be new kids. They're like, Hey, is there any way I can get one of those lunches? I don't have anything. Um, and so it went from 30 to a hundred to 300. And now we are sitting at 400 plus lunches every week and we're still running out. Um, there's just such a huge need in the community for food, uh, especially with inflation and everything the way it is right now. So that's kind of how we got started to where we are right now. And of course, uh, you know, COVID continues, but the shutdowns don't. Why, why is this still happening? Is it inflation? Is there more to it? So one of the benefits of doing this is we've really gotten to know our community. It took a long time to establish trust. Um, but now, you know, the adults in the community are, are willing to talk to us and, and kind of share their struggles. And one of the big things we're seeing is we're passing out food in uh, what would be like government housing type area uh, where there is a lot of home insecurity and food insecurity and things like that. And one of the things that happened is after COVID ended, uh, the government, um, what would you call that? Uh, like food stamps, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what the, mm -hmm. the correct, um, but they, uh, they went back down to pre COVID standards, but with inflation, people still weren't being able to like the money that they had to be able to buy extra things wasn't there. You know, a lot of people lost jobs and a lot of people have had a hard time keeping jobs. And so they're, what they get from the government isn't enough to cover what they need. And so we have people who would never take food before who are now saying, Hey, I don't have what I need. Is there any way that we can get a lunch this time? And so I think it's that, that combination of people were trying to survive with, with what they had, but with, prices soaring and with uh, the government cutting back down, it's just not enough to make ends meet. What happens when a young person doesn't get enough good food? You know, they may have snack food or, you know, candy or munchies or whatever, but, you know, how does this impact their life? Well, for a lot of them, when they don't have something to eat, it's going to impact everything from how they perform at school to even just their attitude. You know, if, if you've ever heard the word hangry, uh, making a teen or a kid hangry is even worse. <laughs> so um, it's going to affect their disposition. It could cause there to be behaviors in school or even at home 
Um, and when they still like food is insecure, it may also lead to them, you know, taking food, you know, or, or trying to sneak food. Um, and so when you don't have that and, and you don't know when it's coming, it can, it can cause a lot of different side effects, I guess. So are you able to deliver food on a weekly basis or, or daily? How does that work? So we're delivering food on a weekly basis. We are going door to door to our kiddos. Um, we don't ask them to come to us. That was part of the pandemic was, you know, it was technically, I don't know, again, here in Indiana, we were kind of on lockdown. You weren't supposed to leave for any reason other than to maybe go to the grocery store. And um, so these kids weren't able to get out and the schools weren't able to deliver food. Um, and and places that did deliver or had food available, the kids had to get to it. And that could have been several miles away. Um so we started bringing it to their doors, and we still to this day, whether it's raining or sleeting or snowing, uh, or it's about to be a polar plunge here in Indiana, um, we are out there going door to door, bringing the food to the kids where they are. Who puts the the meals together? Do you, I guess you've got a volunteer team? Yeah, so we have a group of volunteers um, that meets together at our church, again, Parkway Southern Baptist Church, just a little plug there. Uh, <laughs> And we um, have a group of ladies and gentlemen who um, want to be a part of it, but maybe can't get out and, you know, do all the walking. And they pack all of our lunches for us. Um, we have Dare to Care that's partnered with us, and they provide us with food uh, to bring to the kids. So there's always milk and fruit and um, some kind of entree type thing. Um, and we've just really been backed by the community to help us make this happen. So we've had the local hospital provide fruits before. Uh, different churches have gotten involved to try to help. Um, and it's just become a, a labor of love to love on our community for Jesus. Do you sense uh, appreciation when these are delivered? Do you you know, get a, at least a smile out of it? Oh, golly, yes. <laughs> now, that has been one of the coolest things that we've got to experience is just the relationship that we've been able to build with this community it's gone from okay why are you knocking on my door to come in here i made you a cake oh i made this blanket for you um here i want to help here's some mac and cheese maybe you can pass it out to the community we've had kids that we've passed food out to that now help us pass out the food they get excited when they see the wagons coming and they are ready to go and help so it has been super appreciated the people uh, last week, it was pouring down rain, and they're like, why are you out here? Why are you doing this? And we're like, look, Jesus doesn't leave us. We're not leaving. We're going to keep showing up as long as you'll open the door. So they are definitely appreciative and, and have gotten behind helping uh, make that happen. That's incredible. Do, do you ever have the opportunity to, to share faith or to pray with them? Yes. So one of the things that we try to do on a regular basis is ask them, you know, what can we be praying for you about? Um, we've recently uh, been able to love on and, and pray for and minister to a lady who just found out that she's been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, we've been able to walk beside the last three years, a lady that we met just by knocking on the door, giving her kids food uh, to find out that she was just getting ready to celebrate being one month sober. And now she's getting ready to celebrate being three years sober to be able to be there at her celebration. We've been invited to birthday parties. We've been able to share not just the words that Jesus spoke when, you know, like he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Like we're bringing the gospel, but we're also living the gospel, meeting that physical need and meeting that relational need. And then just 
telling them over and over again, you know, hey, this isn't us. This is Jesus. This is God. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. We are motivated by his love, not by our own, you know, goodness or our own deeds. Ministry aside, you know, why do you do this? What's what's in your heart? Oh, gosh. So I was a lost kid. So growing up, I, I did not know about Jesus. I had never heard about God. Um, and I went through a lot of brokenness. There was a, a lot of things going on in the household um, that I didn't have control over. And uh, one day, uh, somebody invited our family to go to church. And I got to learn about a God who loves me, who accepts me, who wants me no matter what. And um, that moment literally changed everything about my life. And my deepest desire is to reach the youth of our nation uh, or anyone, really, any, anybody all, and make sure that they don't go another minute without knowing the love of God and the, the gift of his son, Jesus. Um, so everything that I try to do is just rooted in the fact that if it hadn't been for someone coming and telling me, I would have not known. And so my job is to go and tell um, and to do it where the kids are, uh, not necessarily have them, you know, come and find me, but I'm going to be every place that they are so that there's not a chance that they'll miss hearing about who he is. If someone listening to our podcast or reading our story would like more information about what you do or maybe to come alongside to help, what's the best way to get information? Well, there's a couple of different ways that you could uh, be a part of that. So you could check out the Youth for Christ Southern Indiana website. Um, you could also check out Parkway Southern Baptist Church's website. So those would be two really big ways. Um, I couldn't, you know, I I just recently joined uh, as staff with Youth for Christ. I've been a part of Youth for Christ as a volunteer for many, many years. Uh, and so Youth for Christ is just something that I absolutely adore. But uh, I've been also the youth pastor at my church for uh, quite a bit more years <laughs> than that. Um, and so it's kind of like a marriage of the two, you know, the, the church and this ministry coming together to uh, get to love on our community. So if you were to reach out to either one of those, we could get you plugged in. All right. And since you mentioned being a youth pastor, uh, one thing I'd like to ask, uh, what do you think the main thing is that is facing the generation of young people coming up today, what's what's the biggest obstacle? I'd say the biggest obstacle is just loneliness. Uh, well, we recently learned through um, a poll uh, that was shared with us through Youth for Christ that one out of every four kids does not have a trusted adult, which means if you have four kids standing there, most of them are, are feeling like there's no one that they can talk to, there's no one that they can trust, there's no one that they can open up to, which leaves you feeling really alone because, you know, you go to school and you feel like the teachers aren't for you. And they are. They're so for the kids, but they don't feel that. And at home and everywhere else, they've just, they, I think, I think the pandemic has had something to do with that where we had to isolate and it kind of developed for them this, this feeling of isolation. And so trying to come beside them to develop trust. And then to speak the truth of God to them, um, I think, is the only way that we break through that. So um, my job and those who are volunteering with me, we are just trying to establish, hey, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We're going to keep showing up. You can't shock us. You can't uh, scare us away. We love you. God loves you. And you don't have to be alone. All right. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.